Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Last week, a blogger named Pan Luan wrote a sweeping 13,000-word article. This small novella, really, is called Teng Xun Meiou Meng Xiang. Or Tencent has no dream, and it went crazy viral. That's a literal translation. But come on, a far more appropriate translation would be Tencent has lost its mojo. That does capture the sentiment much better, because what this veteran tech journalist was really claiming is that Tencent doesn't have its act together. Well, its news team certainly doesn't. It was spreading fake news about its own CEO. But yeah, that's today's story. We'll give you the facts, and we want you to decide for yourself. Does Tencent, in fact, have its act together? Or has it lost its mojo? The president's key economic team goes to China. Uh, after a whole night thinking, I say, I still want to do it. Everyone, we're Tech Buzz China by Pan Daily, powered by the Seneca Podcast Network. We are a new weekly podcast focused on bringing you the most interesting, relevant, and buzzworthy headlines in China tech. We're part of PanDaily.com, a new English language site that tells you everything about China's innovation. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Ray Ma, and I live in San Francisco. And I'm your other co-host, Yingying Liu. All right, let's dive right in. This week we are talking in depth about Tencent because the article was just so scathing and the reaction was so revealing. Right. In order to understand most of the points in this article, we have to back up a few years to 2011. Seven years ago, in the spring of 2011, the world was a different place. Tencent had a market cap of 45 billion, less than one tenth what it's worth today, but it was still the biggest internet company in China. However, on March twenty third, two thousand eleven, Pony Ma, the CEO's worst nightmare, came true. Yep, Baidu exceeded Tencent's market cap for the first time. They were neck and neck for a while, but when Tencent got beat, Pony apparently went into a panic. Poor Pony, he'd been fighting wars left and right, and was freshly licking his wounds against another giant internet company in China at that time called Tihu three hundred and sixty. Chinese people refer to it fondly as the Three Q War, San Q Dajan. Uh, by fondly, you mean that it was traumatic? Well, I don't know too much about it because it happened before I was working in tech. So what happened? So at the time, everyone in China who owned a PC installed two pieces of software: Three Sixty Antivirus and Tencent QQ, the original Tencent Messenger. Both had hundreds of millions of users. And then Tencent one day, being the powerful copycat that it was, decided to launch its own antivirus software. Why? Just because someone else was doing it successfully? I don't know. I think so. It used to be a copycat, remember? So a bloody battle ensued, and the main gist of it was: 
It got so bad, both companies claimed the other's product was malware and forced you to uninstall. Like, if you wanted to use QQ, you had to uninstall 360. Yep, pretty much. I mean, can you imagine if Apple forced you to uninstall Chrome, or if you were on Google, you could never use Facebook? I I can't even make up examples because it's so ridiculous. Wow. Yeah, it got so crazy the Ministry of Information had to step in, and except for censorship issues, the Chinese government actually rarely steps into business scuffles. That's how crazy it got. That is pretty crazy. So Tencent had a tarnished image after this. Yeah. So now imagine it's March 2011, and you're a pony, and your company has this battered public reputation of being this lowly, unoriginal, even unscrupulous copycat, and you had also just lost your perch as the big kahuna in Chinese tech. I mean, Alibaba was probably bigger, but it was a few years away from going public. So out of the public CEOs, you were numero uno. But you had just lost that distinction. Yeah, you lost it. So what do you do? You call a management meeting, of course. Oh, of course. And according to this article, Pony had his top sixteen lieutenants gather in a room and each write down what they thought the company's core competitive advantages were. Two answers emerged: capital and traffic. Capital, as in we have lots of money and we should buy or invest instead of building ourselves. And traffic, or Liu Liang. As in, we have a lot of that across our properties, which we can divert to other companies as incentive for working together. Seems obvious, right? But actually, no. It was apparently very controversial internally, especially the capital part, which supposedly came from President Martin Lau. Martin was educated in the U.S. He went to Michigan, then Stanford, Northwestern, Goldman Sachs. Before Tencent, he was an investment banker, and he saw things the Wall Street way. To fix the perception of Tencent as a copycat, Martin advocated for Tencent to open up and use capital and traffic to lure in partners. But a lot of old timers felt that Tencent should exclusively focus on organic growth, and be heads down on creating new product. Martin won though, and one of the first things he did was to bring in James Mitchell as chief strategy officer. James was his old colleague at Goldman, who definitely was not Chinese. But he was a well-known tech equity research analyst, and he definitely understood internet businesses. Pretty crazy if you stop and think about it. James was effectively brought in to be the number three guy at Tencent. Before joining, he had never lived in China and was just this dude who went to Oxford and was working in New York. And it was after the hiring of James that Tencent really became the active investor that it is today. Totally wiping out the copycat reputation it once had, and basically becoming the biggest, most friendly, most active—those are their words—source of strategic capital in tech. Yeah, that's literally how they describe themselves. They're active in China, but also in India, Southeast Asia, and even in the U.S., where they have a pretty active office down in Palo Alto. But this is also the chief complaint against Tencent—that it's become more of an investment firm than a great product company. Doesn't Tencent have great products though, like WeChat and WePay, all the games, League of Legends, Honor of Kings, and maybe still QQ? What else though? Granted, those are all excellent, excellent, highly profitable, category-defining products. But besides gaming and messaging, which Tencent already excelled at back in the early 2000s, it's not had much success elsewhere. 
That's a good point. It's made a bunch of attempts at other categories such as e-commerce, marketplaces, long-form and short-form video, Weibo, but none of these new directions have been really that successful. Yeah, and that's why the guy who wrote this article, who claims to have interviewed dozens of Tencent insiders, says that it's not just that these projects haven't succeeded, but that they were doomed to fail because of the way Tencent is set up and its corporate philosophy. Yeah, he writes that the internal elimination system Tencent has, this is the system in which multiple teams, maybe as many as 10, work on the same exact project and compete against each other, is a really poor use of resources. Although, let's note here that a lot of Chinese companies have this system, and some investors do think that's what makes them successful. It's kind of like an internal battle royale. Yeah, may the odds always be in your favor. But maybe because of this, the company business units don't work together very effectively. There's a lot of bureaucracy and collaborating cross departments is about as easy as if you were an external partner. That is to say, really hard. At least that's what people say. Yeah, that doesn't sound too different from any large company to me. But I think the main point here is that with this quote-unquote new investment-driven traffic-sharing mentality, Tencent has not been as eager to take on capital-intensive, risky projects. Right. While its arch nemesis Alibaba, on the other hand, has gone on to sink billions into cloud computing and logistics, and buying out businesses such as Lazada in Southeast Asia, companies that take a lot of capital and time to grow but have a lot of stickiness. And stickiness, argues this writer, is what Tencent doesn't have, aside from its WeChat family of products that all of you guys are familiar with. Games are hugely profitable, but their revenue streams just don't last very long. Hey, League of Legends has been popular forever, so I guess it depends on what you mean by long. But it is true that Tencent hasn't really sunk in the billions needed to make some of their newer projects succeed. For example, in social media, video, and e-commerce, Tencent attempted multiple starts and sank in capital, but was also really quick to pull the plug. Yep. In social media, the Tencent brand Tangxun Weibo was always number two to Xinlong Weibo, what we generically kind of know as Weibo these days. But the Tencent product still had a good 80 million plus users, and yet HQ decided to close it. Why? Exactly. Why? I don't know, but it seems like it was because it doesn't make enough money. So going by the quote-unquote Wall Street mentality of Tencent management. Even though it might have been a super important product in the long run, if it doesn't succeed quickly, axe it because we don't want that dragging down our profits. Yep, axe it internally, but because it's risky, expensive, but also really important, invest in the vertical instead, like they did with e-commerce, which they have to date mostly exited and just now rely on their investment in JD.com, which Palwan argues isn't what really truly great companies. For example, like Amazon does, Amazon invests for the long haul at the expense of profitability, and look where it got Bezos—world's richest man. Yeah, and so while Tencent does have a significant stake in JD, about 18 percent, it doesn't own the company. So, is it really wise to rely on a strategic minority investment to fight against Alibaba? E-commerce is no joke. There are many people who believe Tencent should have been more patient in growing their own e-commerce products. So now we're back to the beginning of the story. Tencent had to make an announcement about making no announcement. 
Yep, because you see, this article was so viral that pretty soon Tencent executives were commenting on it in their WeChat moments. And even Pony Ma wrote a WeChat response, kind of acknowledging that the company has lost its way. Then someone took a screenshot of that, and that too went immediately viral. Except that WeChat post wasn't actually by Pony. Get this, guys. A growth hacker named Zen photoshopped his reply to quote unquote, see what would happen. Yeah. Well, what happened was, I guess, the response that he photoshopped was so convincing that no one, not even Tencent Tech News itself, bothered to verify that it was real. And so it got published everywhere. And when this dude Zen posted that he had in fact doctored it, people did not believe him. They thought it was a tactic to get more PR. And this is why the real Tencent corporate PR had to step in and make an announcement that indeed the response, which their colleagues reported on, had been fake. I know, right? Crazy. Hashtag fake news. But again, the original article was so well written and researched that everyone started talking about it. Had Tencent in fact lost its mojo? Had it? We asked Hans Tung, managing director at GGV, a four billion cross-border U.S.-China VC firm, and co-host of another Seneca podcast, the excellent Nine Nine Six, what he thought. Hans was an early investor in Xiaomi and has been named to the Midas list of top VCs multiple times. I think the blog post may be onto something, but may have misspoke on the causality. It's not that Tencent is too strong in investments and therefore become weaker in product innovation outside of WeChat. One could argue that despite lack of innovation on product beyond WeChat, the investment has come up to be a very good plan B. What is funny is that Alan Zhang Zhang Xiaolong from、uh, WeChat was also homegrown. He came beyond an acquisition. By Tencent of a company called Foxmail, which was Zhang Xiaolong, Alan Zhang's first product. So I think Tencent should continue to be aggressive if needed, acquiring talent, acquiring the next Alan Zhang, figure a way to find the next Zhang Yiming through M and A. And doesn't matter the product management talent is homegrown or acquired, as Sony can produce for Tencent. That's what matters the most. Wow, those are such good points. Zhang Yiming, by the way, is the CEO of ByteDance, aka Toutiao, which owns a suite of huge news and entertainment apps that we talked about back in episode one, and which some people think is Tencent's biggest current rival. And what do you think, Ray? I remember you interviewed with Tencent Investments just as they were starting out. Oh my God, so embarrassing! Yeah, that was ages ago, in late 2011, when WeChat only had about 20 million users. Remember, now they're at about a billion. Anyway. The main interview question was, "How would I value WeChat, and what did I think its strategy would be?" I was actually pretty surprised because they didn't care what I thought about any other parts of their business. That's pretty funny. What was your answer? Well, clearly I got it super wrong. That's why I'm hosting a podcast. I thought it was going to be a Weibo competitor, and Weibo was just a few Bs at the time. So I did some math and arrived at a ballpark of three billion dollars. What? Three billion? People thought it was worth a hundred billion back in 2015, and it's probably way higher now. You were off by almost two orders of magnitude. Okay, okay, I know, but honestly, that was my best guess at the time. I'm glad they didn't laugh me out of the room, but they sure as heck challenged my answer a lot. And they were totally right. What do you think that says about Tencent? I think it says a lot. 
Maybe other people knew WeChat was going to be a big deal, but I certainly didn't. But Tencent Internal did, and they've really executed on it. So maybe WeChat is just one win, but it's a heck of a win. Aside from AWS, how many other $100 billion plus businesses have been incubated internally that is completely distinct from a company's original product offering? Well, I think we could go on this topic forever, so it's really interesting. Do let us know what you guys think, though. Do you agree with the original post, which claimed that Tencent has lost its mojo? Has Tencent stopped making innovative new products? Has it become too reliant on investing and playing nice with the rest of the ecosystem? Yeah, or do you think that it makes sense to start by investing in the areas you're not so strong in and just really lean into your winners, either homegrown or acquired? Either way, I'm sure Tencent management is discussing this internally. Judging by their track record, even if they've lost it, I'm sure they will get their mojo back. And now, a word from our sponsor. Founders Embassy, the first female-led accelerator for international and immigrant entrepreneurs, is hosting the Borderless Summit on June 5th in San Francisco, and tickets are now on sale. They've created a special code for our listeners for discounted tickets. Use PANDAILY, all caps, to register and join hundreds of investors, thought leaders, and founders from all over the world. You can sign up here. The link is foundersembassy.com backslash borderless dash summit. Okay, that's all for this week, folks. Thanks for listening. We really enjoyed putting this together and are always open to any comments or suggestions. You can find us on Twitter at the Pandaily, T-H-E-P-A-N-D-A-I-L-Y, and my personal Twitter account is Rayma. That's spelled R-U-I-M-A. And my Twitter is spelled G-I-N-Y, G-I-N-Y again. We'll be back here at the same time next week. Tech Buzz China by Pandaily is powered by the Seneca Podcast Network. Pandaily.com is a new English language site that tells you everything about China's innovation. Our producers are Carol Yin and Kaiser Guo.